What is up? What is going on, everybody? We need your help. We can't tell you what it is. You can never ask us about it later. We don't know whose car we're taking, but we do know what movie we're talking about, and we'll do it on the other side of the song. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of The Threequel. As always, I'm one of your three co-hosts, Ethan Klein, here with me, my partners in crime, uh, maybe the, the best use of that phrase that I've ever had uh, in terms of the specific movie we're talking about, uh, Brad Miller, Mike Duranic. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Doing awesome. I am excited to talk about this movie. It's, it's the town, man. It's, uh, I have not sent you guys my list, but it is number one with a bullet, so... Um, yeah, I am excited for sure. Equally excited. Uh, I, I won't go as far as to say it's number one, but man, I knew that I liked this movie. I've enjoyed it every time, and it delivered again. So excited to get into this one with you guys. Yeah, I mean, I'll just keep adding to the the hype and the excitement. I mean, this is a top 10 movie all time for me, um, and has been, honestly, since the first time I saw it. So uh, super excited that we finally got the opportunity to talk about this one. Why is Brad laughing in the camera? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm laughing because uh, I hear you say that phrase a lot, and I think you've got 25 movies in your top 10. So I've, I've tried to do the math on this, but um, yeah, the, as many times as I've heard you say that, yeah, I, it must be 25, maybe 30 in your I, top 10. I mean, just like, I mean, oh, there's a glare. I keep a running list on on myself at all times so the town has always been in there um it was at number eight for the longest time after we uh all kind of ripped apart gladiator it has now moved up me personally my seventh favorite movie of all time just to set the record straight uh for an exact number um but obviously this episode is going to be filled with a lot of love for this movie let's just kick it off like we always do we'll get right into it uh the same question i always ask gentlemen uh what was your first experience with town how did you come to see it for the first time and then uh what what thoughts did you bring in to this rewatch for this episode of the threequel so i feel like i've been on quite a boring streak of like hey i watched it in my living room or i haven't seen it uh this one is absolutely different uh the second this trailer came out i knew i was going to see it in the theaters uh went and saw it with a friend in the theaters um I don't know. Sometimes theater experiences aren't great. You get distracted by the crowd, people making noise, whatever. Uh, I don't remember being as focused on this movie as I wanted to wanted to be. But the second it came out on DVD, I bought it and I rewatched it several times uh, and absolutely love it. I'll never hit 25 like you did with uh, Red Eye and I don't know, whatever else you've seen 100 million times. But uh the town is probably one of those that I have seen uh, the most in my life. And I do not regret that. So um, yeah, uh, theater probably opening week, I would say, and then rewatched when I got the DVD. So I know I saw it in the theater. Uh, I incorrectly, it turns out thought that I saw it with my wife. Um, but as I went back through and looked at the timeline, that was not possible. Um, but we've definitely watched it before. Uh, so that led to some interesting discussion. Did you make the mistake of saying, Hey, do you remember when we went and saw this in the theater together? 
Oh, 100%. I told her, you know, it was like the most romantic night of our lives. Whoops. No, I didn't go that far. But I did definitely, Brad, say, I'm pretty sure she's like, I think I've saw this before. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty positive that you and I saw it in the theater. And then I was like, well, she's going to fact check me. So I better fact check myself. <laughs> and then I was like, nope, we did not. However, we had probably seen it uh, on DVD. It's one that I also, Brad, went out and bought on DVD um, very quickly. Uh, after it came out, you know, those the golden years before streaming, right? When uh, going out to buy the DVD was uh, a big deal. And now you just got to pull it up on the old HBO Max. But um, I was excited to see it in the theater. I've been looking forward to it every time I've ever sat down to watch it uh, and was excited to get into this rewatch. Yeah, so mine is a really off the wall first viewing. Um, I did not see this in theaters, and I'm not really sure why. I, I mean, I wasn't. Is it 17 for an R-rated movie in theater you by yourself? Your life? So yeah, I mean, I was 15 when this came out. I don't know why I still missed it in theaters because it's not like that has ever stopped me from seeing things in theater, like at all. Um, but what I saw this on for the first time was actually pay-per-view. Um, if if we ever remember going through that song and dance but i know for a fact my first viewing of this was pay-per-view uh whenever it it got around to that after its theater run um so just a weird first experience that's probably going to be the only time i'll be able to say that for the threequel uh podcast here but loved it went back i know like a couple weeks later had a few of my buddies over uh for like one night on a weekend purchased it again on pay-per-view so i did the double dip on the pay-per-view for the town um then of course once it came out on dvd got that have introduced plenty of people to this movie and this is one of those ones that every time i've introduced it to someone and i don't know if you guys had this experience mike i don't know if since you didn't see it in theaters with your wife if she watched it with you this time but this is one of those movies that regardless of the genre I know that, you know, not everybody is going to be into a bank robbery film, right? Like, if you if you just say, like, oh, we're going to watch a heist movie, that's not for everyone. This is one of those movies, to me, that seems to, in my experience, transcend the genre. And everyone I've ever shown this to has walked away with a positive experience um, of the film, regardless of, of how they could have felt going into it. How, how could they not? It stars Ben Affleck and the greatest singer of the last five years, Jeremy Renner. So Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, he's got two of your favorite songs in the last five years, so it, it has to be very entertaining. I still <laughs> That still blows my mind. All these awesome musical artists and Jeremy Renner gets two songs. I'm just, oh, that I'm was just classic. Classic. Uh, uh... So yeah, I, I am curious then, Mike, did did you end up watching this one with, with the wife? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure we have watched it before, um, but she likely did that time what she did this time, which is at some point, uh, I just looked over, she was asleep. So it's not, and again, to be clear, it's not that she doesn't like the movie. It's just right. that it's not, uh, it, it's, she has a magical ability to fall asleep during movies that I don't have to that degree. Um, especially not a movie like this. Um, you know, I, I once I get going in it, um, I think I started it the, the first night in the beginning. I was like, ah, you know what? I don't have the energy for it. So I turned it off, but that's different, right? Um, 
that said, the parts that she did watch, highly uh, appreciated and reviewed. Yeah, this is one I didn't watch this this current. You know, I usually try to watch when we record the movie a couple days before we record. I actually just happened to watch this like a month and a half ago. Introduced it to my girlfriend, and it's interesting. And this is going to tie into uh, kind of the thesis statement and the first kind of conversation I want to have about this. The entire movie, she just kept making comments about like little offhanded comments, like "I hope they get caught." They deserve to get caught. I don't. I don't like these people. They're bad people. She just kept making those comments, and throughout the film, I was like, "Oh, she's not enjoying this. This sucks." Because I'm having a great time, and she's not. You know, it's disappointing. And we got to the end of it, and I was like, "So you didn't like that?" And she was like, "No. Like, it was a really good movie. I just couldn't cheer for them." And the more I've thought about it, like, so the anti-hero thing for the last, you know. We'll, we'll say 15 years has pretty much been ran into the ground. I mean, the first like big one that people lean to is um, Breaking Bad, right? Just in terms of any kind of media. That's the, and I don't even know if you want to say hero, but just that you're, you're following the bad guy. You're getting attached to the bad guy. And that's become a thing that they're really, really pushing in a lot of different forms of media. But I think time and again, as I watch this movie, as I watch other things, this is the best example of we are going to make you fully invested in bad people. Because if, if this was a real life group of people, they're horrific. And, and there would be no amount, like if you read this story in the newspaper, right? Like as human beings, I, I mean, I, maybe you guys disagree, but I would not have any sympathy or empathy towards, Oh, cool. That guy like fell in love with a girl. Like, I would be like, that guy's a freaking creep. He's a psycho for following this woman he kidnapped. I hope they all got arrested and never see the light of day again, right? Like, if it was the real world. But we're in the movie. That's who we're focused on. And I just think this is the best example of it because we've all said time and again, we can rewatch this. And I've never had that thought. Obviously, like, Jeremy Renner's character is extreme and not a good guy and, like, when he dies at the end, that is earned. But I want Ben Affleck to escape at the end, right? Like I, I want him to make it down to Florida and I want Rebecca Hall to follow him regardless of whether or not in reality, it, that's clearly not a healthy relationship and how we get from point A to point B is not okay. And so I wonder what your guys' thoughts are just kind of on that trend and the execution that we have here in the town. Well, I think the, the well, first thing I would say... Oh, okay. I, I, the first thing I would say is uh, you got to go a little further back than Breaking Bad. I think, especially in light of the new movie that came out, you got to give credit to the Sopranos and Tony Soprano as really the um, you know uh, the real launch of this formal anti-hero era. Um, but Walter White and, and Breaking Bad certainly right there too. And Affleck setting aside the critique, the the correct critique that you gave about he's probably not a good guy for following, you know, this woman and stuff like that. I wonder if there's not some similarities to him and the character that we talked about a couple of weeks back on 310 to Yuma that Russell Crowe played, where maybe he is just with some bad guys. Uh, Renner certainly plays a much harder character, uh, I think, than Affleck is. And, and uh, you see that in a number of scenes where it feels like Ben Affleck wants to go just to like a level five to 
just get the job done. Let's get out. Nobody get hurt. Renner goes straight to a level 10. Um, so those are the thoughts as you were talking that kind of came to my mind was it may be a situation where if you've got a redeemable villain, like we had talked about it in 310 to Yuma and, and you guys had really both made some of that argument that Affleck's character may be in that vein more so than the full-blown anti-hero. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, they show you right in the opening scenes that of that first bank robbery that Ben Affleck is a, if nothing, he's a compassionate thief. Like, he takes the time to grab her hand, tell her to calm down, tell her everything's going to be okay. Um, I think what I'd, I'd like to point out here, and I don't know what your thesis statement is or how it will pertain to this, but I would say that... I, <sighs> I don't know that any of them are bad guys uh, other than maybe uh, um, what's his name? Coughlin. Um, outside of that, I think they're pretty good guys that like you could take the three of us and all, the three of us are, you know, for most measures, pretty good guys. And I think that we could have the same exact circumstances that they have. Like if, if you look at who he was raised by a, a criminal father, a, um, allegedly drugged out mother who committed suicide and grew up on the streets. And it, I mean, at the opening scenes of this film, it talks about how it's a way of life in Charleston. Like he's not doing anything that wasn't nurtured into him. This was not good people that broke bad and made bad choices. Like this was just a means to an end. You know, this was life for them. This was, what you do it's how you run the streets there's drugs there's all this stuff there like uh, i don't necessarily know that they are bad guys i think that's just what they know um they probably i mean obviously know what they're doing is wrong what they're doing is a crime but i don't think other than you know uh um, jeremy renner's character getting out of prison and then doing some of the things that as Mike described as taking it to a 10, of course he has become a bad guy, but for the other parts, it seems like those guys are good guys. Um, and there wasn't any like crime that didn't, that wasn't, I think in their mind, just hurting the man until Renner started, you know, shooting those officers at the, at the truck robbery. Um, and then at the end, it was just a matter of survival. And, um, at that point they're pinned down they're going to die i think it's just you know it's it's survive or um or die in that moment so that's when it, it got violent for the other three but um i think for for the most part he was the bad guy that that happened to turn that way after prison is kind of how i read it but um definitely don't condone what they do but i can see why it's easy to root for them because they seem like victims of their circumstances in a lot of ways yeah, I mean, and and I completely agree with the points both of you guys made. I just the the general thesis statement was: I think this is the best example of the anti-hero thing in a movie, just because I have always, from the first moment I've seen this, cheered for Ben Affleck and never even had the thought of like, yeah, he's done some bad thing. Like this movie just does such a good job of introducing mm -hmm. his character, like you said, as that guy puts his hand on her hand, calms her down, stuff like that. And even the, like the falling for her part. I mean, I said it, I said it in a way 
just to kind of prove a point, but they do a very good job of establishing that relationship. He's doing it essentially to take that bullet for her at, at the start. You know, he's not doing it to be a creep. He's doing it so that his psychotic best friend won't. And he tries to kind of, you know, shrug her off in their first encounter. Right. But like you said, Brad, like he is, he does have compassion in him. She's crying. He knows it's his fault. And so he just strikes up that conversation with her. And so it does feel natural the way they do that. And again, just the outlandishness that these two people would end up together. You believe because of how good of a job they present the story. And I think the, what really helps too. And I don't know if you guys feel this way as we kind of just talk about everything. John Hamm, like he feels really slimy a lot of the times in this movie. Like he's a cop, he's doing his job. And understandably, if these guys were just running rampant in this town, now there's other cops being shot. Like, of course, you got to do what you got to do. But especially, I always think back to the scene where he's threatening Blake Lively's character and like the safety of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Again, should that woman really be in charge of her daughter? Probably not. But well, actually, definitely not once she like got high and wrecked a car. But just the way he says that, there's just something like gross about how he goes about this. So like they do a good job of juxtaposing that too, of like you you are never gonna just fall in love with John Hamm's character. At least the way that I've always felt about it. Yeah, I think that that's the key to it also is that then they they play the hero in such a way that you're not drawn to root for him either. I, I mean, I think even even the, the casting of Ham's number two, uh, Titus, uh, is it Welliver? Oh, yeah. Big Titus Welliver fan here. Right. And But he kind of always has the ability to kind of come across as uh, pompous and... You, the, the, the casting around the, the two of them really drills home the point that you're not really rooting for, for these guys. And um, so you're not rooting for the FBI because they don't come across as likable as if they are the heroes, right? Even if they are the, supposed to be the, the good guys. And then that strengthens Affleck's character as the redeemable bad guy. Yeah, and I, I think, too, like, I don't know who... Um necessarily as you take a step back from the movie who who the storyteller would be or whose point of view the story would be told from if this is a story that's being told so i think that you know i i kind of always chalk it up to this the story's being told by someone who grew up in charleston so they're going to see the fbi that way so i think any anything through that lens is going to be presented that way and i think that in a lot of ways, regardless of how the NFBI person would act in real life, that's how they're going to be viewed there. And I, I, I liked what they did to show like, um, we were using the term anti-hero, but the, the difference between good and evil here is really just a couple, a couple of degrees. If John Hamm had, you know, just, veered off a little bit to the left or right in his growing up, he could be the same people they are probably more closer to a runner character than the Ben Affleck character. Um, and same thing when he questioned um, uh, Titus Welliver and he was like, how do you do this to your people? How do you grow up in coat? You know, like it's, it's really neat to see how they view 
good and bad because in their mind he's the bad guy he's he's the the guy that turned his back on the on the community and um not only did he not choose a life of crime but now he's putting those guys away and he he should know better is kind of how he puts it so it's it's just really neat to see how um just from where you're at in that story um how you would be those characters yeah so let's let's just go through here let's talk about uh the people that we see on screen we'll start with ben affleck um of course not only is he the star of this film directed it and wrote it as well and i get you know i'll just ask just kind of the baseline thing here overall when you get when i say ben affleck to you guys as an entire career are you you know kind of shrug the shoulders you're a big fan you're actually not a fan overall where where are you guys at when i say ben affleck just in general um i mean i consider myself a fan i i mean i don't have a running list like you do of my favorite movies um but there is a good chance that two of the top five uh for me would would be um you know, Ben Affleck movies, ones that he plays major parts in. Um, and I am looking at his IMDb right now, um, his filmography and, you know, a lot of hits, a lot of misses. Um, it's just kind of, he's all over the place. He's got some that are, um, all timers, all time greats. And then he's got some that you are, are just laughable. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like that he ended up in the Batman role. I admittedly have not seen him as Batman, so I think it's a little unfair to judge that. But it was it bothered me enough that I lost interest in watching Batman because he was um, cast in that role. So, um, yeah, you know, movies that come like Argo, um, I'm a fan of. Uh, Gone Girl, which... It, you know, I think it's uh, depends on the mood. You think that that's an underrated film. Um, movies like The Accountant, you know, those are interesting. I you know n- nothing to write home about, but yeah, he's got stuff. And you know, I'm sure Ethan's got a special place in his heart for Pearl Harbor because that was uh, um, uh, your type of epic film back in the day. You know, the Armageddon's and the Pearl Harbors and things, you're shaking your head, but uh, don't you it, ever besmirch the pleasure. name. <laughs> don't you dare put Pearl Harbor anywhere near Armageddon in the Rock. <laughs> but even like even his little small role in in like Mallrats, I, I like that character. You know, um, yeah, I I don't know. I overall, I'm I'm uh, he has a favor- favorable career in my eyes, and I would call myself a fan of Ben Affleck. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, he is uh, he's now probably overall underrated because he was so heavily overrated earlier in his career. And, I mean, coming off of Goodwill Hunting, how could he not be, right? But he's not really the engine that makes that movie go, but yet that he launched allowed that to launch him into all kinds of mistakes that he made. Um, you know, I think if you look at the first... 10 years of his career, you could probably make a strong argument that um, outside of Goodwill Hunting, uh, what Armageddon is maybe his best movie through that stretch. You could probably make an argument, I guess, maybe for his bit role in, in Dogma. 
I enjoyed dogma, but you know, you're, you're, you're pretty thin there. And then before you get it uh, to it too long, you're looking at Pearl Harbor, which is not good. You're looking at uh, who could forget uh, the, the 2003 classic daredevil. Let me tell you, Brad, his casting in Batman a lot better than daredevil. <laughs> um, but then you get past that stretch and you move into the last 10 years or so. And this movie really, I think, was part of the starting part of that. Uh, he's become a really solid actor, certainly has become a really respected director as well, um, and has, has shown a lot of ability in a lot of different ways. And so um, I think he's probably at this point gotten himself to the point where he's underrated because one of the easiest things to do in Hollywood was to dunk on Ben Affleck for about 10 to 15 years in there, right? Um even when he got cast as Batman, it was like, oh, here we go with him again. And and the the problems with those films, and there were many of them, were not, at least from my perception, Ben Affleck as Batman. I think Ben Affleck as Batman could have worked um, if for better vision and better better writing, better directing, better producing. Yeah, how many, yeah, uh, how many careers has J-Lo um, almost completely derailed because his i think his worst stretch was when he was with her so well uh, we they, might need they to dig, dig into that a little bit they just got back together yeah. a few months ago so i mean at the end of the day yes i'm a ben affleck fan but i think it's what you guys have both touched on it's either wow this movie was amazing or how in the hell did this ever get off the cutting room floor for me i mean and really the change the bounce back was when he decided to start directing what kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And I know Brad, you and I talked about this, but gone baby gone was hit the first thing he ever directed. Now, Mike, have you seen gone baby gone? I have. And, uh, and again, is in that group that I was impressed with. Yeah, it's, I, I think it, it's great. That's, you know, the one that he's not in that he has directed. He directed his brother in it, but it's fantastic. Then this, then Argo, which wins the Academy Award, um, Live by Night, not a fan of, um, and he hasn't directed anything since. According to his IMDb, he's got like three things in pre-production, which, based on how Hollywood works, we might see one, maybe two of those if we're lucky, but he is still going to be working. And from an acting perspective, I think it seems to me like he, he has all the talent in the world when he wants to right like there's a lot of projects in his career that he i feel like he's kind of phoned it in but when he hasn't phoned it in goodwill hunting obviously he's getting his career off the ground this argo um gone girl he gives a good performance in. i'm not a big fan of that i have mentioned to you guys when we did our warrior episode uh the way back where he's the alcoholic basketball coach like when he really sells it he, he's a top-of-the-line actor. He, he is a fantastic talent. And I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. I, he's won. They won the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting's writing, him and Matt Damon together. Um, and then, yeah, he, he was a part of winning Best Picture of the Year for, for Argo. But that's really it. Do I think he'll ever get nominated? I don't know. Because if he didn't for the way back, I'm, that, that's just kind of that like perfect role alcoholic basketball coach that just seems like the perfect opportunity to get nominated and he didn't so i don't know if he'll ever get there but he certainly has all the talent in the world and when he's pulling double duty directing um 
I, I'm a fan, and, and I'd love to see him keep doing that. He is uh, writing. He wrote the script for Ridley Scott's next film, a name that we've talked about plenty. It's coming out next month, I believe. Um, it's called The Last Duel. Matt Damon is in it. Ben Affleck is in it. Um, it's set like in, um, you know, like night shining armor times uh, in like old England. Uh, and I mean, you know, I, I've kind of dogged on Rid- Ridley Scott, but if you're telling me Ben Affleck wrote it, him and Matt Damon are on screen together. It, like, you know, I, I am excited for it. We will see how that goes. Hopefully Brad's theory doesn't hold true and it, and it doesn't tank because he's back with JLo. But um, the other big name on screen to talk about in this movie, of course, Jeremy Renner playing opposite of him. He did get nominated for this film. You know, we talked last week about Jake Gyllenhaal, who I'm a big fan of. I was thinking about it today. I know that, you know, Brad laughed that I'm a big fan of Jeremy Renner's music, but the more I think about his acting as well, I don't know if I can say he's my second favorite to Jake Gyllenhaal. He is absolutely in my top five. Um, and I'm curious where you guys are at on Jeremy Renner um, overall, because if he is in something, I'm through the roof excited. I love this guy. And it's kind of one of those things that slowly built over the years because it, it he was seemingly nothing. And then all of a sudden, like, Hurt Locker, this, boom. He's in Marvel movies. He's in everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Um, you know, underrated films like Wind River, like, he's just perfect for that role. Uh, I really like that one. You, you kind of turned me on to that one. Um there was something recently that I watched that I didn't realize he was in. And then I was like, Oh, it's, it's Jeremy Renner. Um, I can't remember what that was. If it comes back to me, I'll let you know. But, um, you know, unfortunately he got put in the one born movie that shouldn't have been made. Um, but even, you know, he pulled that off. He was, he was, uh, was good in that role. So, um, yeah, I absolutely am a fan of his. I think when you talk about, factoring in his music career plus um i think he's he's underrated funny too um you know and he's done some stuff on uh solomon fallon you know doing a parody of the ed sheeran song that was hilarious um yeah so i think that uh um yeah i I don't i don't think he would rank up there um like you're like you're putting him but definitely uh i want to see those movies when i see that he's in them yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add other than to say I do think that he uh, he's a gifted, uh, very talented actor and uh, can can play a lot of different roles and play them well. So um, I also I don't know that I'd put him at my number two, uh, but he's he's real solid. Yeah, I, I think it, if, I, if you don't if you don't have a thesis that you're going to bring up for this, because maybe we already touched on it, we should <laughs> dive into that sometime about. Uh, um, Boston being the the best uh, best town for movies. Mike, what are you what are you laughing about there? Well, he he's brought up his thesis like three times. I guess you just didn't like it. <laughs> I thought he said this this will like touch on our thesis and we'll discuss the thesis, but I never heard what it officially was. Uh, no, I the thesis was that the town is the best anti hero movie. Oh, okay. Brad Brad did not like your thesis. In fact, he didn't like it so much that he just ignored it for a half an hour, Ethan. I did. did. (laughs) Um, 
the thesis is that Ethan's thesis might be over uh, overrated. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> gotta give him. I gotta throw some shade there because there's got to be some reason I didn't even hear you you mention it. So, uh, um, so well, the Boston thing we need to talk about sometime too. Yeah, it. I mean, I, I can't think of like. Obviously, I know a ton of movies are set in big cities, but I mean, this is something we've talked about. Like Boston movies, just bring it. They really do. Whether it's action, mm-hmm. straight drama, whatever it is, Boston movies bring it. Um, before we just move on to anyone else, I'll just ask you guys: Do you think this is Jeremy Renner's peak? He got nominated for this. He he got nominated. This is supporting actor. Got the lead actor nod for the Hurt Locker, which again was kind of the the real big like. Okay, Jeremy Renner is now going to be an A lister in anything we can put him in. I would say that his my favorite performance of his is Wind River that Brad mentioned. Mike, I don't know if you've seen that. Um, that one's definitely quieter than this, but there's just something that movie. I mean, and I cry my eyes out every time I watch that movie. And a lot of it is just how well he brings that character to life. But where where would you guys be on Jeremy Renner's uh, whole career? Is is this the best that he's ever brought it? I mean, acting wise, yes, probably. But I mean, his peak has to be Hawkeye. Like, that's what he's going to be known for. That's what, you know, most people, if you say who's Jeremy Renner, he's Hawkeye. Like, that has to be his his apex role. But just acting, um, I think this and and Wind River would be the ones that uh, um, stand out to me. It's been too long since I've seen Hurt Locker to have a a good opinion on it. But um, I think... He, he was more subdued in Hurt Locker, but I think that that, that performance overall was probably better because he had to carry that movie. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways, he could fade into the background with this ensemble cast. Um, uh, but yeah, I would, I would say Wind River, in my opinion, would be his best acting with Hawkeye being his, his uh, peak role. Yeah, having not seen Wind River, I can't compare against that. But I would say that I think that this is his best performance that I've seen. Um, and I would agree, like for name recognition, it's clearly Hawkeye, but um, di- very different movies. And so this one carries the day. Well, and now uh, coming up next month, he's going to be in a TV show. Um, I don't know if you guys, this is totally off topic, but I will shout it out because it is amazing. It's one of the best television shows I've ever seen. Yellowstone, um, created by the guy that wrote Sicario, wrote and directed Wind River, wrote Hell or High Water. So if you're into those kind of movies, um, did Yellowstone. Now this is his next show, and he grabbed Jeremy Renner to be the lead in it. Um, so... I, I love that this is now becoming a thing that these big movie stars are okay being in television shows that have good production value because instead of, you know, waiting three, four years for a movie star to be in a new movie, we get 12 episodes of a television show every season. And that, I mean, Yellowstone, if you guys haven't watched it, if any listeners haven't watched that show, I, I don't really tend to like put shows in my all time rankings before they're done. Uh, I know back on the old show, we did our favorite shows and I had Game of Thrones pretty high up there before it finished. And then the ending sucked. That withstanding Yellowstone's like a top five show all time for me right now. Like, I mean, it is amazing. And Jeremy Renner and that guy making a new TV show. I'm plenty excited for that. So he's got plenty of things uh, to keep him 
going there. Is there any other, we, we touched on a couple other things. Are there any other performances you guys want to get into before we move on to the, to the back half of the show here? Yeah, I think that uh, we mentioned the cast, you know, just simply, you know, John Hamm, uh, Chris Cooper, um, uh, you know, I didn't really know Rebecca Hall before this. I've seen her in a couple of things since then, but I, I want to give a shout out to Blake Lively, like yeah. um, very small role, but she, I mean, she brought it in those scenes. Um, she was believable. Um you you understood where she was coming from that you know and then even at the end she's desperate so desperate to be with him that um you know it, it nothing else mattered she she would leave town with him she would do anything for him um and just really um owned that role so yeah i think shout out to her i wish i wish she could have been in more of the film but uh did a very good job with the scenes that she was given um Ooh. And yeah, on, very good. I mean, and very I don't cool. know. I know that her and Ryan Reynolds have children, and maybe it's her choice not to to be in much. But the things that she has been in, I say shame on Hollywood because, like, you can see here clearly, mm. she's a fantastic actress. And pretty much outside of this in her career, she has just simply been cast as, "Hey, go be hot." She's a beautiful woman, but like, she is wickedly talented. And has never really gotten the chance to show it outside of the town. So props to all the people in the town for giving her that role. And shame on everyone else since then who haven't given her that opportunity. She's, I think she's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, beyond that, it's just, it's such a deep cast. And, um, you know, we could talk all day about the different people who have played the roles in this. I, I am a John Hamm fan. I thought that uh, he played the role really, really well. Um, slimy enough that you didn't like him, but you could also see where he was coming from. Um, even the just bit scene with uh, with Chris Cooper was, was a really good and impactful part. So uh, really well cast movie, very deep cast, and it's hard to point to a weak spot in the cast. Yeah, and not at all. Fergie, Fergie was a perfect uh, cast too. Um, the guy that played uh, Postlethwaite. Um, I believe his last for, role. Yeah. Yep. Perfect for that scene uh, or for that character. Um, just you know the the accent, everything, and you, you know I I drugged her up good and proper. You know, like it was just. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, really, really well, good, really well done casting. I remember the first time I saw this. Because, I mean, as you're going through it, right, like, there's not a point like, yeah, we've talked about John Hamm slimy, but you're not you're not expecting, like, Ben Affleck to corner him and gun him down, right? But there has to be something in a movie like this where you get that. And when he delivers that line, I just remember just, like, my stomach just turning over. Like, because they don't really talk that much about his mom. Obvi- like, it's brought up enough so that that's impactful. But then the fact that, like, that's kind of the, oh, like, this guy's the worst person in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. he does a great job of delivering that. And then Affleck, too, playing off of that. Like, and that, and that is just a great payoff. Him going in there and really wrecking shop because he doesn't, right? Like, we don't really see Ben Affleck really, like, turn it on and go after anybody in this movie. I mean, they break in and fight those two guys, but that happens pretty quick. He shoots at those police officers that have their shields up when he's trying to escape. But like him going in and just like surgical, just takes out him, the the front guy, goes in and then like delivers that line. He that's 
that's a great payoff for a movie that seemingly didn't have a big bad um, and, and for them to do that. So let's move forward. Let's play a game if you guys are ready. And as long as nobody watched this movie on Peacock this week, uh, which seems to be our biggest enemy for the Rotten Tomatoes game, I believe it is Mike's turn to go first. So, Mike, what is the sitting Rotten Tomatoes score for the town? I think it's got to be pretty high. Um, and at the risk of, of meandering too far, because I'm sure that that's not entertaining for our, our listeners, I will just go with a um, 92. We'll go with a 92. I think that it's probably not uh, at the top end of the 90s, uh, but I think it is well out of the 80s. Um, as big a fan as I am, I, I guess maybe I'm thinking like, well, what if I'm wrong and other people don't like it? Um, the num- I'm just going to stick with the number I had in my head, which was 86. Um, and I'll leave that gap between us to see which way it's going to go. So you guys are not doing yourselves any favors in terms of people thinking that you're cheating. Uh, it's 92% on, on the critic score of Rotten Tomatoes. The fan score is 85 which uh, 7%, not a huge gap, but big enough that I'm surprised because th- this seems like the movie that should, the score should be almost exactly similar, right? Like there's enough action in this that it brings just your everyday person to the theater, but it's smartly written enough and there's good performances enough that it, it does what a critic needs it to do. And so I am I, surprised that the fan score is lower on that end. What uh, so this is techno- technology being what it is? I didn't hear what the critic score was. Uh, it you, it, you glitched oh. on me. All I heard was that the fan score was eighty five. You you hit it right on the head, Mike. It was ninety two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I I wondered how Mike had zero reaction to that when you told him he <laughs> nailed it. I was like, huh? Mike didn't even react. But- no, that's because Mike didn't even hear. And then all of a sudden, I realized that you had said it. Well, hey, how about that? At least I got one this week since brad uh nailed the one on the head uh, previously so so my theory for that seven percent ethan is that uh those are a bunch of um what's a polite way of saying it fatties that got jealous of ben affleck's um abs and back and you know like a pure he's, jealousy they lowered the ranking of of this ben affleck is absolutely jacked in this thing he is yoked it's crazy and it's not yeah, it's necessary. Insane. Like that scene doesn't need to be in the movie. Most of the time, he's wearing baggy clothes, like, or they've got their armor oh, yeah. on. But he is oh, jacked. Yeah. That was that was totally him saying, "Hey, you know what? Um, I need a couple scenes where I'm I'm doing some pull ups and some push ups, and yeah, people need to see how I look right now." But I mean, good for him. I if I you know could could pull something like that off, I would absolutely have be in every movie like that so uh no no hating here great job ben because holy cow that was uh he worked hard to get that for sure and it is just super weird i'm just kind of looking here you know i mean it obviously it was reviewed well it made plenty of money um 34 million dollar budget made 160 million dollars almost so again like we've talked about for a movie how do they pull that off with 34 million that seems like such a low number for a movie like that um, yeah, especially with, with where the, they were filming, the right? Salaries, yeah, and the salaries alone. Well, for those actors, I mean, you got Ben Affleck. I'm sure took 
points. As low of a salary as he could pulling double duty and then took points on the back end would be my guess. Since it's his movie and his baby. I mean, he wrote it, directed it, he's in it. That's going to help bring that down. And especially when it's a guy like that that's been around long enough, my guess is that a lot of these people were like, oh, Ben's directing a movie? I'd love to work with him. So they were probably able to keep that pretty low. But yes, I would say a majority of this money was Ben Affleck's friends being in a movie with him, keep their salaries low. Let's put all of it in the action scenes, which are amazing. I mean, the bank robbery scenes, we haven't even touched on it, but like heat is kind of the standard, right? Like the final shootout in heat. Um, and, and I'm not saying that it necessarily tops that because that's one of like the greatest scenes ever in a movie, that escape. But if you're taking all of the scene, the first bank robbery, the armored truck robbery, and then of course robbing Fenway and the way that all plays out, I mean, not a false note. It's fantastic. And like just the, the set designs of it, the nun outfits, like, and I'll, I'll just never forget. Right. It's, and I always, whenever I show it to someone, I want to see their reaction to them switching cars and looking over and seeing the cop. And like, (laughs) of course that, what are you going to do? you're not going to pull on those guys, right? Like, of course you're going to turn and look the other way because there's absolutely nothing. He's sitting in his car. He has no advantage, but it's just, it's just such a real moment that I've, that I always have remembered from the first time I saw it. Like, that's perfect. That's so great. Just those little things in this movie that I've always loved. So I do have one nitpick. Um, As much as I like this movie, the thing that I just can't wrap my head around is how, quickly she basically falls back in love with him you know like i i know there's a there's a little bit of a time gap there and there's also you know they don't ever fully get back together but she seemingly forgave him quick she saves him from the fbi quick and and that talks about i think how she felt about you know john ham's character and things like that but like she went from you know completely hating this guy get out of here before i call the the fbi to um you know seemingly wishing that she could go to florida with him and they didn't really do a great job of um um, making you understand why so that is my one nitpick for this film is how she got back to that spot so quickly yeah i i mean i think that's a fair criticism i i will say that the scene when he goes to talk to her, I've always, you know, obviously we're working in a two hour runtime here. We've got to figure out a way to kind of resolve this issue. I think that scene is really well. And it's just the line that's always stood out to me is like when he says he'll be honest and she's like, how do I know? And he's like, cause you will fucking hate everything that I say. Like that's just always stood out to me. Like, yeah, you know, that, that would get my attention. Like, the way you'll know I'm being honest is because you're not going to want to hear what I have to say. And so I, I, I feel like just again, in a constricted runtime of a movie, that conversation goes a long way towards her tipping him off at the end of whether or not she ends up going down to Florida. We don't know. Obviously it's left kind of open-ended in that way, but she definitely doesn't want to, after that conversation, watch the FBI take him down in her front yard and, and end his life you know, or put, put him away for life. Like she at least got to that point and that I can buy into. The, I, I understand that, but there's the one element that I don't know that any of the three of us could understand is like, 
she had, in probably two points of this film, thought that this guy was going to kill her. You know, when it's, they walk in the bank, she probably thinks she's going to be dead. And then when they abduct her and tell her to walk till she feels water and she thinks she's going to die, like that, that's a, an emotional standpoint that I don't know from when you ever could trust or love a person. But yeah, again, you know, who knows? We're, we all walk in different shoes and would have different reasons for something I just can't wrap my head around is how she could get back to that spot. But I know it's a I, film and you got to squeeze it in, like you said, but um, yeah, that's my only nitpick. No, I, and I think it's good though, too, that I, I, I would probably be leaning more towards, towards that side of it. If this movie would have ended with her knocking on his door, right? Like I think the fact that it's open-ended does at least help that a little bit. I think that's a really good cinematic choice by Affleck to say, to end it with that letter and him by himself at that house down in Florida instead of just, Oh, we're happy together. Cause hey, absolutely. Like, yeah. especially the breach of trust of like, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I'm trying to remember how the scenes flow the first night that they actually like end up like having sex together. I'm pretty sure the conversation they have right before that is her explaining that day to him. So like that would be almost impossible to get over. Like, Basically, right. your most intimate romantic moment was explaining how, like, what he did to you without knowing that he did it to you. Like, that that right there would be, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you could ever just be alone with that person again, but... Um, yeah, yeah and no, he definitely that's... made the right call. He made the right call leaving that open-ended. Um, had she yeah. ran into his arms and, you know, went down to Florida with him and standing there on the pier, I think that would have been... a eye rollish because it's like okay come on there's got to be some divide but i think it shows that she got the money um at some point they kind of want to be together but maybe they won't ever be because of what he did and i think that's a good choice to to leave it at that you know yeah that's a great point so let's wrap it up here our last couple things are maybe our favorite parts here favorite line favorite scene i'm not sure let's do favorite line and then favorite scene because i am curious because there's just so many great scenes i'm not sure where you guys are going to go so let's start with favorite line whoever would like to kick us off while i narrow down my list of top 50 favorite lines of this movie well it ultimately ended up being pretty easy for me because it's the one that packed the biggest punch but uh you already uh you already took most of it because it was your your cold open for this, right? Okay. I need your help. I can't tell you what it is. You can never ask me about it later, and we're going to hurt some people. And Renner just looks at him and says, whose car are we going to take? That was it for me right there. I mean, there's a lot of great lines right. in this, but, man, that was that was phenomenal. How would you not deliver that with a Boston accent? You, I mean, <laughs> well, Brad, feel free to repeat it in a Boston accent if you'd like. Well, it's, it's going to suck, but I at least got to try, because that, too, I, I wanted to – flip Ethan off at the beginning it's a great cold open but he did steal my favorite line of the film you know and it was I mean the whole scene but especially when Renner looks up and says who's Kawi taken you know like that that was uh it's just classic uh, there wasn't a line that stands out better than that one to me um yeah absolutely and then going over there and just uh um wrecking shop on those two guys was was pretty classic I mean, I think there's so many good ones, but the one that just always like just the full fist pump moment for me 
and I alluded to it, and since it's not going to be my favorite scene, when he kills Fergie, and he just leans in and it's like, remember who clipped your nuts for you, right before he shoot like that. It's such a cheesy action movie line, and for a guy who loves bad action movies, it's delivered not cheesy. It, like it, it's just like holy. This guy is this guy has been the biggest badass in the room. You're led to believe it's Jeremy Renner, right? But it's almost like in this scene. Mm-hmm. I believe that he's just held back the entire time. Like he could kick the shit out of Jeremy Renner if he had to, and he just hasn't. Just because of that scene and how he delivers that line. So I'm gonna the remember who clipped your nuts for you. That that's that's gotta be my favorite line. Uh, favorite scene, fellas. This is I'm curious because there are. I, I think this is tough to pick of one favorite scene from this movie. Well, for me again, it 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 wasn't as tough as you'd think because there was one scene, lots of great scenes, but one scene that stood out to me in just in terms of the acting in it. And it is the, the conflict scene between Affleck and Renner when, you know, Affleck is saying, look, I'm out of here. Right. You, you know, I think he has a line. If you want, if you're going to shoot me, then you're going to shoot me in the back. Cause I'm gone. And that entire scene, the intensity, when he says, look, I don't know what you think, but I'm not going to be playing house with your sister. Like, I don't know what you thought this was. I'm getting out of here. Just the intensity uh, of the acting and how well both of them played it. Uh, to me, that has to be my favorite scene. Um, it was the apex of this movie in terms of the acting. And quite frankly, that's what sets this movie apart. The action scenes are great, but action movies can be a dime a dozen. This is an action movie, a, a bank heist mixed in with some pretty exceptional acting. Yeah, yeah I think... Uh... Oh, sorry. I was just all of the scenes where it's just carried by Affleck and Renner's acting is what takes this movie to the next level, right? That scene, the scene where he walks up on him and Rebecca Hall on a date, I my heart stops every time when he stands up and has to hide his tattoo. Like that's just so well done, so detailed that, and then the the following scene where they're cussing each other out in the kitchen, right? Like those guys carry it uh, so well together in their acting, but I, I, I will just go with an action scene for mine. And it's the, the armored truck robbery. Uh, that one to me, just you start with that. It gets so intense so quickly. Um, the, the detail that is put into that with Affleck saying, shoot out the engine block right again. Like we're getting another character moment of, you know, he could just say, shoot them, kill them and let's move on. But like, he's actively always thinking about like these people don't need to die. Let's not do this. And like going through the car chase is great. The slow motion of the lighter blowing up the car and then just getting across the bridge to escape. It's just so well put together. Um, And people think that shooting an action scene is easy. Shooting an action scene that's been done a hundred times is easy. Doing something well and adding a couple things to make it better uh, shows real talent, and so the the armored truck robbery is is my favorite scene from the town. So, your favorite scene plays right into my favorite scene, um, and here's why it's my favorite scene is because you go from that climactic um, robbery and chase. They get across the bridge. Um, Albert yells out, you know, like whatever his proclamation of him being the greatest driver is. And then they turn, they turn the corner and they stop and they get out and the cop's sitting right there. 
And the reason that scene is my favorite is because it's perfect. It takes you from that high to that, oh my God, like they did all of that and then they're going to get caught by this guy. And then you start doing the math and you're like, wait, there's four of them. There's one of him They're He can't tell who they are. He, he doesn't know what they look like because they're wearing masks and he does the smart thing and he turns and looks the other way and they take off. And it, it's, it's not only funny, but it gives you that moment to pause, take in what you just saw. And then they did, the, they left you hanging there for what it, it was probably 10 seconds maybe, but it, felt so long because you're just hanging there like oh my god what's going to happen what's going to happen and it's just a perfect way to end the drama with a pause and then the humor and then it continues and it was just my favorite scene of the film because it's just different it's not what you're expecting it caught me off guard um and uh even as many times as i've seen it i forget that that scene is right there and each time it, it gets me so that that is that is my favorite scene and so you you not only stole my favorite line with your cold open but you mentioned my favorite scene earlier too so way to go ethan bringing the heat with your references uh throughout the podcast well i i apologize for stealing your guys's thunder um it was that was not the plan but that's how it played out this evening guys that was our discussion of the town a movie that so brad and i so brad you top 10 movie for you all time then um yeah i'd have to i'd have to think about that but i I would i'd say pretty good chance for sure mike would is this is this in that realm for you you know, it's been a while since I've really sat down and thought about my top 10 favorite movies. Um, and so I'm really using this uh, this podcast as an opportunity to kind of rebuild my top 10 favorite movies. I don't know that I can say definitively that it'll be there, but I can say, as I just sent you guys, uh, that it is number three for me. So um, if we were making a Mount Rushmore of the first 35 movies that uh, we had watched, this one would be right there, and uh, I suspect that it'll be a good long while before we have another movie that knocks it down a peg. So it's a strong contender. All right. Well, that uh, definitely, if you haven't seen it, I would think that this episode has uh, given you plenty of reason to go watch this movie. Still would find it weird if someone listens to the show without seeing the movie first, but hey, maybe you're just a big fan. And speaking of big fans, we always want to give shout-outs to anyone that leaves us a review, even if you are that sniveling little weasel who lives in his mom's basement and probably spends more time touching himself than anything else, Pappy Drew. Um, this week, we are talking about Baseball Boy. Not sure who that is, but left us a five-star review. Simply watch now. This is pure entertainment. I hope they're not. I hope he's not watching us. That'd be weird. I'm pretty sure this is a closed Zoom that we do this on. <laughs> Baseball Boy, if you're watching us, we appreciate the review. Please just stick to listening. Um, and I really don't think that our faces are ones that you want to see. But thank you so much. Anybody that supports the show, leave a review. We will always shout you out and include you because we appreciate the support. Brad? So we're getting ready to head into another month. Mike mentioned that we've done 35. If, I know this is a longer episode, but if we could just take like two minutes to do where we are at with our current Mount Rushmore, I think it's a great time to uh, of the movies we've done. Um, it's a great time to maybe, uh, take that into the next level. So I'll just, we can each quickly do ours. Um, 
Starting at four, I've got Mad Max Fury Road. Um, still has a, a special place there. I recently made a change uh, to my list, and Dark Knight has been moved down to number three. Um, it was jumped recently in my mind by Moneyball coming in at two, and then The Town, as I mentioned earlier, number one with a bullet. So Mad Max Fury Road, Dark Knight, Moneyball, and The Town. Interested to see where Ethan is, especially because I did just get Mike's list. But, Mike, why don't you tell the listeners where you're at with your top four? Well, as I mentioned, The Town came in at three, and it just bumped Star Trek out of the top four. Uh, and so my top four are a little more um, – eclectic probably I, i've got garden state at number four and we had talked when ethan and i did that about my personal love of that one the town at number three uh the rock at number two and then at number one is the dark knight yeah my uh pretty similar um obviously like we all we all have love for the the top tier of movies um my number four is collateral actually um just edging out prisoners i feel like at this point um number three the town number two the dark knight and number one of course i i have more love for this movie than both mike and brad but warrior uh is going to stay up there uh for a while it is i mean like i said though i do i end up the bulk of this list i do end up ranking more towards like how much fun did i have rewatching it and talking about it with you guys and obviously you guys didn't love Warrior as much as I did, but I will just never be able to rank something ahead of that until the day that we do Fight Club. But um, that will be for a different time. It will not be next week. Next week, we haven't really talked about this. I'm just going to put you guys on the spot. It seemed like we were all on board with this idea for October. So I feel like it's okay to say we're going to kick off October with Sicario. Is everyone down with that plan? All right. All so right. we are going to kick off the month of October with... Sicario. We just did a Denis Villeneuve. I really like to just really enunciate his name when I get the chance. I'm confident that's how you say it. Um, just did his movie Prisoners last week. We're going to do Sicario next week. Um, definitely a much easier watch than Prisoners. I promise everyone of that. Um, this one, a very fun watch in its own right. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, but I think that wraps it up. So, Other than that, guys, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan, and we'll see you next time.